Hi everyone, welcome to Anti-Culture. I'm your culturally ambiguous and culturally mixed host, Josiah Sinanen, and I'm so pleased to present another episode to you of this great podcast, which has introduced us to so many people from so many different walks of life. The point of anti-culture is to challenge the North American perception of culture, which I believe has been honed to put a lot of people in boxes and limit our understandings of them. I want to challenge this in our culture, and I want to create a new culture where instead of putting people in boxes, we're asking important questions, we're hearing people's stories to really understand and figure out why they think the way they do. At the same time, I think it's important that we challenge ourselves to be open-minded when we talk to people that are different than us, to understand that maybe our assumptions about them might not be correct, and the actual culture that they belong to and how they identify is completely unique and separate from what we might have put them in. I'm really excited about this week's guest. It is kind of my first celebrity guest, Mary Zilba of The Real Housewives of Vancouver. If you're familiar with the show, I'll be getting into it a little bit more as we move forward, but Mary is definitely someone that challenges our perceptions. I think if you hear about The Real Housewives or you think of anyone who's on a reality TV show, you probably have a lot of preconceived notions about what that person must be like. I would like to challenge you by listening to this interview with Mary Zilba and just being surprised by what she has to say. I think she has a lot of relatable aspects to her personality and very detrimental and sad stories about what happened to her on the show over the course of two seasons. This is Anti-Culture. Well, you know, I, I, I think I wasn't prepared for the stigma attached to the series. As much as there are huge fans of the series, you know, the same to- by the same token, there also are a lot of detrimental things that go along with the stigma of the, of the series. Yeah. And, you know, for someone who, who really worked hard in my career, and, you know, I, I lived in Los Angeles for many years. I pounded the pavement. I you know, I had, and I worked and worked and worked, and, and you know, I had my very huge fair share of rejection and all the things that I did. And I went to school for a long time. I was in West America. You know, I sang at the Orange Bowl. I mean, I, you know, there's so many things I've had records out. I've done so much. And totally. then I thought, am I going to let this show potentially ruin, like, hard, 25 years of hard work? Yeah. And potentially embarrass my children? Um, and had I thought that that was going to be the case, I, you know, or, and I know that that was one of the reasons that I did vacillate in the very beginning as to whether or not I wanted to be on the show. Once I found out what the show was really about, I pretty much declined it to the producers and said, no, I don't think it's for me. Like, I just don't think that I, I'm going to be able to. I'm not confrontational. I'm not one of these people that is going to toss a glass of wine around or throw a glass of wine across the table. Like, once I started looking into it and then I watched Orange County or something, I was like, holy Lord heaven. Once upon a time in 2013, Canada got its first Real Housewives franchise with The Real Housewives of Vancouver, which is a show that stopped airing after two seasons despite being very critically successful. In fact, the majority of the women didn't agree to another season, and at the time, drama was quite heightened. In fact, after the show stopped airing, I'm going to be talking to Mary about this a little bit later in the interview, there were lawsuits, there was a shooting, 
things got really crazy between the Housewives of Vancouver and all of the women that were married on the show are now divorced. One review that I read online stated that out of all of the Housewives franchises, Vancouver was one of the most dramatic. So I wanted to give you guys a taste, for those of you who aren't familiar with the Housewives world, of the opening sequence of The Real Housewives of Vancouver. Each of the women has their own tagline that continues to develop their character throughout the show. And just so we're clear, The Real Housewives, and Mary's been very clear about this, is not scripted at all. Essentially, they create a situation where they put six affluent women who live opulent lifestyles in a situation where a lot of drama unfolds as they attend events together and live their lifestyles together, all while being aired on television. And a lot of personal stuff gets intersected in this show. There's a lot of alcohol involved, and it creates a scenario that a lot of people find entertaining, but Mary can't even bear to watch the show anymore. Here's a little taste of The Real Housewives of Vancouver's opening sequence. You'll hear Mary's little tagline, and then we'll jump back into the interview. At this stage of my life, I can afford to say it like it is and look good doing it. I live life in the fast lane. Catch me if you can. I traded being a singer for being a mom, but now I'm ready to step back into the spotlight. Every queen needs an empire, and I built mine from scratch. Vancouver is a gold mine, and I love to go digging. Well, there's a little clip into the culture that surrounds the shows that are The Housewives. Perhaps you've seen The Housewives franchises before, or perhaps you've never seen them and probably assume they're horrible reality shows, based on what you just heard, about people who think the world revolves around them. You wouldn't be completely wrong, but I think so often we lose the idea in any reality show that these kind of television programs actually revolve around real people. Their lives are being affected, and they're being manipulated on television in the same way that yours would be if you had a camera pointed on you. But they have no control over editing, and they are actually manipulated for entertainment. Now I do have to make a confession, and I know people have been waiting for this. I am a big fan of the Housewives franchises. I enjoy watching them. I follow a couple of the cities. It's not my proudest aspect, and perhaps if you've been listening to this podcast, that's something that's surprising to you. As a freelance journalist, I try to always see the humanity behind people on a television screen, and sometimes I get passionate about defending people who don't have a voice beyond what the producers decide to show. I also find the intricacies of how these people react to certain things to be so fascinating, and I do love the lifestyle aspect of it too. Two years after The Real Housewives of Vancouver aired, I met one of the main women on the show, who of course is Mary. And don't worry, I will be sharing the nitty-gritty details about how we met over the course of the episode. Mary is a wonderfully interesting person. In the 90s, she had songs that topped the charts in the Canadian music scene. Mary is a divorcee with three children living in Yaletown off a beautiful marina in the city of Vancouver. And right now, she's the host of her own podcast called Eat, Drink, and Be Merry. She's an advocate for many anti-bullying campaigns children's charity, medical cannabis, and much more. Mary's heart of gold has graced the city of Vancouver with something special, but the Ohio native was particularly targeted on The Real Housewives show, which engaged my response to her. 
At the time I started watching The Real Housewives of Vancouver, I actually hadn't followed any other Housewives franchises. But I was mainly concerned and curious about how they would highlight Vancouver, which is a city I have family in, I love very dearly. And I think more than anything, I was just more intrigued by what would be portrayed on television as a Vancouverite, as someone successful in that city. So I'm here to challenge, as I mentioned, the assumptions, the bias, the preconceived notions one might hold even already about someone who is on The Real Housewives. Mary, now a friend of mine, differs vastly from many of my other guests on the show, especially if you followed me since my Alberta season. But she still has created a heart-driven, loving, and inclusive culture around herself that rivals some of the kindest people I've ever met. It's my great pleasure to introduce you to her on another episode of Anti-Culture, hopefully in the process, breaking the mold of what we assume about others and letting the culture they've created around themselves to shine through. All right, so we're now on record. Hello, Mary Zilva. Hello, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am doing great. You know, it's summertime, so my boys are back. So this makes me really happy. That's right. That is your pride and joy, hey? Uh, beyond. Like, I, yeah. I mean, you know, I've been alone with the boys for about, you know, 12 years. So um, pretty much raising them on my own the last 12 years. So it's been pretty, it's, it, you know, you have to on my pride and joy. Yeah, but that I'm is awesome. I'm happy to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Um, my pleasure, darling. You know how much I adore you. So aw. thank you for having me on. Thank you so much. Well, you are my most esteemed guest so far. Maybe I'll edit that part out. But <laughs> I really well, appreciate thank it. Thank you. You do have your newest frontier is this podcast that you're working on, Eat, Drink, and Be Merry, which I think is so cheeky and awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so excited. You know, I always wanted to, my, my degree is in television broadcasting and journalism, and I started out working on that and my music took over and it kind of, yeah. you know, I was kind of simultaneously doing things. And so my passion for, um, for interviewing and for being, um, uh, you know, someone who, who loves to, to be, inqu- who's naturally inquisitive, I think, and someone who totally. wants to know a lot about, you know, what makes other people tick and, and why things work the way they do. It's just a natural, um, inherent thing that, that, yeah. um, that's, I love being able to do a podcast because, this way, I'm being able to find experts and people that I find are fascinating and interesting and can tell a story and who are inspiring to be on my series so that I, or my show that I can talk to about uh, in answering a lot of questions I get asked by fans, etc. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm so looking forward to that. And your first Thank episode you. is coming out this weekend, correct? It should be this weekend. Awesome. That's right. Well, that's so great. should be, because you know how things go. should be. Yeah. <laughs> that's not a promise. Well, don't worry. This won't air until the fall, probably. So you got some time. It'll probably be out by the time people hear this. So, Mary, most people are familiar with you in today's day and age, probably from The Real Housewives of Vancouver. Yes, that would probably be true. <laughs> yeah. But before... That wonderful little television show. That, that wonderful show. Yeah. And... So interesting. So so we met in Vancouver. Yes, we did. And kind of a funny story. I don't know if I'll share all the details on this, but I ended up... Details. Fill it out. Well, yeah. We all know that I ended up at this restaurant for Rosemary being on that Food Network show. Yeah, what was it called? Chef in Your Ear. Chef in Your Ear. That was hilarious. Yeah. Well, Mary was so sweet. And guys, honestly, I was just... I was seriously just a fan of Mary from watching the show. And... Aww. 
I'll tell you this, Mary. I never watched a full Housewives franchise until Vancouver, and you were what kept me watching. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> and I just, I just knew I could just see your heart in the episode, and I just knew that okay, Mary is a stand-up person, and I need to encourage her and make sure she's supported. And you just went you through so you much. Know what? I want people to know too. This is one thing I want you to know, and people listening to know that I typically. You know, I I often have people write me and want to meet up if they come to Vancouver or say that they're fans or, you know, it's lovely, lovely people, but it's kind of rare that I actually have not only the time but the opportunity to do that. Yeah. And, and for some reason, you just, I don't know, you're just your energy, what you wrote to me. Um, just, it just, no, it was, you're so genuine. You're such an amazing, amazing person. I'm not saying that lightly. Like, you've got... Mary this heart of gold, this soul of gold, and I just, you know, I just adore you, and I, I just think you, you're really, you're real, the real deal, you're, and you're spiritual, and just, yeah, you're just a really, really amazing human being, so oh. I'm really happy that we met, and I'm happy that you went to Rosie's Chef in your ear and met me that night, and that I could buy you a glass of Pinot Gris. Yeah, that was really great. <laughs> Mary. <laughs> that, that's what popped it all up. Yeah, well, I am tearing up right now, seriously, that means so much to me, thank you very much. No, I really, really mean that, and you know, I, I, there's not a lot of people who still as shine as bright as yours, and, and that's really, really wow. true. Wow! Thank you so much. Honestly, I really mean that. Wow, <laughs> that's so kind. Thank you, Mary. But you know what? It's nice to tell people things when you really feel when you feel something about someone. You know, it's nice to be able to to say that and, and yeah. really say it meaningfully. So, anybody yeah. out there, if you're like you've got somebody you want to say something to someone you really care about mm-hmm. you want to say something say it but yes. it's too short not to yes I think so that's... continue 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 you wonderful man well I want to say I definitely um give back all those sentiments because you even through the tv screen I was like this is a stand-up person and Mary has uh-huh. a heart of gold and actually I want to tell you this too um one of Mary one of your friends was um Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the name. Mark, the UBC prof, what's his name? Mm, Marcus, yeah. Yeah, Marcus. Okay, I was talking to him. You weren't paying attention. And I thought that was like very key because he went on this tangent about how you like saved his life when he moved to Vancouver and Aww. like became his fa- like family to him. And one of the things yeah. he told me was when you agreed to the show, um, which we'll get into, you didn't really know what you were agreeing to. Right. <laughs> but when True. you agreed to the show, one of the uh, tips of advice he gave you was to just be yourself because he said, this is what he said to me privately. He said, you know, I, I thought if Mary is just being herself and doesn't change anything for the show, the viewers will be able to pick up on her, um, yeah, on her integrity and on her genuineness. And she doesn't have to do anything. And that's going to stand out more than anything else in the show. And I think it really did. Well, that's so how sweet of him to say that. Wow, that's very sweet. Thank you for even telling me that. That's that's very sweet. Yeah. Very kind. So you know, I do remember that you know him saying that to me, and I also do remember my mom saying that to me, and my sister just being like, you know, you, no one's going to change who you are, and and so just. You know, I needed a diversion at the time, and I think I told you that I was going through a really rough time in my life, period, you know, my life at that point. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was just really rough, so I did sort of need 
something else and it just came like this random phone call when they just called me and said you're on the short list to be on a reality show and I was just getting my reel back together at the time for my help to do back into television work and someone just randomly called me and I thought it was a joke at first because I you know didn't have an agent to do any reality work or or acting or anything like that so it just came as a surprise and I said well what kind of show what show is it and they said well we can't tell you but you need to sign an NDA oh my gosh Um, and so I was like oh well I might as well figure it or sign it and see what the show is Mm -hmm. and uh, so then it came back as the Real Housewives of Vancouver and I still didn't really know what it was because I'd never seen the show. I didn't see any of the Real Housewives yeah. shows. I was thinking Desperate Housewives. I, yeah, like I didn't really know. It's pretty incredible that just out of a hard time in her life, Mary Zilba was open to new opportunities and got roped into this show that would change so much. One of the other women on the show, Ronnie Negis, was Mary Zilba's best friend of 19 years and the show actually tore apart their friendship. It's a very unfortunate story, and Mary and Ronnie are no longer in contact, but this is only one of the many consequences of the show and the effect it had on Mary Zilba's real life and the people she cared about. Ronnie approached me, uh, I think she just randomly called me because we talk talk every once in a while. She said, what are you doing? And I said, I just got this call from this reality series to be on a reality show. She's like, what show? And I go, I don't even know the name of it yet. So we were talking when it came through, and then she said, um, well, I want to be on it. And I said, well, I was like, well, I don't know. I mean, how do I get you on it? I don't know I'm on it. Like, I, I, I said, I can put your name forward. So I did. So I called them back, and I said, you know, I do have a friend that might be really good for the show because she's got a certain personality. And, yeah. You know, and I said she might be good for the show. And so we... Um, um, I thought it would be an asset because I knew Ronnie, but it didn't turn out that way, did it? No. <laughs> no, in fact, um, she wasn't much of a friend to me since the very first show that we no. the very first one. Um, and that's so unfortunate because for those who haven't seen the show, Ronnie was Mary's friend for something like 19 years before that, or am I wrong? Yeah, like we'd known each other since I moved to Vancouver, so it was like 18 years but. You know, there are periods of time I didn't see Ronnie, and we're very, we're not very similar in our personalities, no. I mean, at all, but, you know, we met um, based on, uh, my my ex-husband knew hers, and we met when I first came to Vancouver, she was American, and I was American, so it was kind of like something we bonded right. over, but there were, there were long stretches of time where I didn't talk to Ronnie for particular reasons and things that happened, you know, yeah. things that, yeah, so, but then, but, but, we had just kind of rekindled our relationship when this all came down. And um, it was prior to the show even airing that um, I could tell she was saying things that were really, like, undermining. Yeah. And, you know, I could tell something was going to happen, that she was not going to be supportive of me. Part of why I wanted to have you on the show, too, is because I think that a lot of people who see this type of reality TV... There's such a culture around it nowadays where there's all these assumptions put on the people who are involved and there's so much judgment. Why would someone choose to sign up for something like that? This is just them to show off or whatever. And the truth of the matter is, A, you didn't really know what you were signing up for, and B, um, the show, at the end of the day, I think it ruined a lot of your life and that was something that you you felt a lot of hurt from. Um, Yeah. 
And I just want people to kind of hear that side of the story because I think that I think probably even today there's a lot of projections on you and that's not easy to deal with for anyone, but you have your own experience and you have your own story and it's so worth hearing. So yeah, let's get into that a little bit. What, what was the effect of the show on your life? Well, you know, I I, I think I wasn't prepared for the stigma attached to the series as much as there are huge fans of the series, you know, the same token, but same token, there also are a lot of, detrimental things that go along with the stigma of of the series. Yeah. And, you know, for someone who who really worked hard on my career and, you know, I I lived in Los Angeles for many years. I pounded the pavement. You know, I had, and I worked and worked and worked and, and, you know, I had my very huge fair share of rejection and all the things that I did and I went to school for a long time. I was in North America. You know, I sang at the Orange Bowl. I mean, I, you know, there's so many things I've had records out. I've done so much. And totally. then I thought, am I going to let this show potentially ruin, like, hard, 25 years of hard work? Yeah. And potentially embarrass my children? Um, and had I thought that that was going to be the case, I, you know, or, and I know that that was one of the reasons that I did vacillate in the very beginning as to whether or not I wanted to be on the show. Once I found out what the show was really about... I pretty much declined it to the producers and said, no, I don't think it's for me. Like, I just don't think that I, I'm going to be able to. I'm not confrontational. I'm not one of these people that is going to toss a glass of wine around or throw a glass of wine across the table. Like, once I started looking into it and then I watched Orange County or something, I was like, holy Lord in heaven. Yeah. So I, I would had already pretty much been given the, the you know, like we had to fill out a 25 page questionnaire and I didn't know if that short list meant that I was one of 10 people. I was one of a thousand people. Like how short was the right. short list? I didn't know. Right. But, um, so I thought, you know, my, I, I thought I'd backtracking just a little bit, but I thought I, I would just fill out the application and see what happened. And if, you know, it was destiny that I, that I got picked to be on the show, then so be it. Yeah. Not that it wasn't meant to be. I have this, um, saying that I love and I always repeat it to my children is, um, you know, um, rejection is God's way of saying other direction. Mm. And so I always figure if I don't get something that, um, that, or something doesn't happen, then it just wasn't meant to be. Right. You know? So, um, I filled it out, I got it. And, um, as shocking as it was, I, you know, I started feeling like, Oh my gosh, okay, this was good, but at the same time, I just don't know what these other women are going to be like. We didn't know, other than Ronnie, like, I knew that I had suggested Ronnie to be on the show, but I didn't know they 100% whether they choose Ronnie, but by me suggesting Ronnie only made it more enticing for the producers because we knew each other. Right. You know, I, I did it, and um, I just, I, I was really apprehensive at first because I, I didn't know any of the other women. I really didn't know who was going to be confrontational, who wasn't, you know, I, I had heard of Christina yeah. before, in fact, I signed the contract with Christina and, and Ronnie, the three of us actually signed the contract together, Right. and um, got to know each other, well, I got to know Christina during that, that signing, but um, anyway, it, it's a very interesting story as to how we got onto that, got, got into the show, right. but whether or not I, I'm happy that I did it, um, yeah, I mean, I think in the long run, I, 
I think there's been some benefits to it. But again, I'm like you said earlier, I mean, I'm still dealing with a lot of the fallout from the show, but clearly not as much as, as most of the other women. Yeah, and I think you've just handled it so well, because I know um, there was so many, like, for, yeah, the show has been since cancelled, but um, if there was to be a third season, I think it would be quite dramatic, because, um, if I recall correctly, didn't you get sued after the show? Wasn't there, like, a shooting? Like, what what was all that stuff? Oh, my word, if they had the cameras going during all that time, like, post-show, it was crazy, because everyone's lives have changed just dramatically, so... You know, Christina, um, who I am going to have on my podcast, had, had went pretty much MIA after first season. Yeah. Um, Ronnie has since gotten a divorce from Russell. They're no longer together. Jody has gotten a divorce from her husband. Um, Mia had since had a baby, and her the baby's father was the one... She was in a shooting, and then she yeah. got pregnant after the shooting, and then the baby's father... Um, I think died of an overdose. Oh my god! Um, and so she's raising, I guess, her child as a single mom now. And then um, Rayco has since been divorced, and um, Yulia's divorced. Yeah. I'm, I'm combining both seasons now. And then Amanda, um, I'm not sure what she's doing. I think she was selling Harley Davidson last time I checked. So. <laughs> that's all I know. That's where everybody is. And you know what? That's that's kind of. That just kind of breaks my heart because those are all horrible things, no matter who you are. That yeah. and it just seems like the the result of this kind of show and this kind of lifestyle at at a certain point was just this destruction and this sadness and loneliness. And do you ever do you ever feel for these women, even though they were horrible to you? You know, the interesting thing about it is I I even did throughout the the entire series. Like I, even Jody is as horrible as she was to me. I still would look at her like, like you yeah. need some help. Like, I, you know, it's interesting. I, I don't have it within me to really hate someone. So maybe, it, maybe it wouldn't be the age word, but pretty big on the dislike. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but no, I've really learned to, you know, try to, to, to find forgiveness and, and everything. And, you know, I try, I try to always treat people the way that I want to be treated. And regardless of how they're treating me, I think, think what I do now is I just walk away I don't I just don't acknowledge anymore like yeah. you know I'm a big anti-bullying advocate yeah and um you know there are so many people when they're when they're nasty to you and it's better to walk away sometimes because by not walking away and engaging with them you're doing exactly what they want and that's why like you're putting actual um fuel to the fire yeah definitely by engaging and responding if you don't sometimes it's way better and so I think that's how I kind of got through it in Housewives is I just, I mean, some of the things that the women were saying were just so cruel yeah. and so mean and so just nasty. And and I just would think to myself, like, I literally would go through it in my head and go, wow, this is, this is incredible that this person finds that they want to actually, like, they're reaching to this place that's so, like, ugly yeah and I think why would someone be that way there you know I, I don't you know I want to think about how people take and why they take and and part of the reason I also think that people like on our series first of all none of it was scripted and a lot of people ask me that that's one of the main questions yeah. I get like is it scripted 
No, not one bit of it scripted. We're not actors. Crazy. We weren't hired as actors. You know, we. I couldn't really remember many lines if you asked me. So yeah. Um, if you haven't seen The Real Housewives before, I'm sure this is making you either A, more curious about it, or B, more adverse to it. At the end of the day, I'm very impressed with what Mary's saying because as someone who did watch the whole show, I noticed that she never compromised herself as a person in reaction to some of the bullying that took place. One group of people that it's very difficult for me to empathize with or understand are the kind of ruthless bullies that Mary faced on this show. It was so unfortunate that, in any walk of life, I realized this is something that still exists. I'm not a psychologist, but I would assume that maybe what happened in this context was a kind of competition to be showy and superior since the cameras were rolling and since they were all women. Surprisingly, there are many, many watchers of the show that did not support Mary and joined in on the bullying, and a lot of what Mary faced was also cyberbullying during the show. Luckily. That's how I first connected to her, by reaching out on Twitter mid-season and commending her for maintaining a good reputation. It became clear that not a lot of people were picking up on that for her, and she had been facing a lot of negative comments amongst mine. Digging deeper, I found Mary's heart for charity, music, her children, and more. And beyond this, the people in Mary's life speak for themselves. I removed this part of the interview from the episode, but when I first met Mary in Vancouver, I was also meeting a few of her friends. And one of them, a professor at the UBC, was telling me that Mary was his lifesaver after moving to Vancouver for a relationship that didn't end well. He was lonely, stuck in a city that he didn't know, but he came to know Mary as he tutored her children in math. He explained that Mary became like family to him, and she was one of the first people to be a loyal friend to him in a city of strangers. Mary also has an ex-husband, Frank, who she still communes with and has befriended after a very difficult divorce, which happened before the show. Mary will share more on this later in the interview, but I think the facts show for themselves that Mary really is who she says she is. I wanted to make a quick note that if you've been the victim of bullying and maybe it doesn't make sense to you, I hope Mary's words offer some solace. Mary tackles this topic and more on her podcast, Eat, Drink, and Be Merry, and I would encourage you to look up any resources you might need. Mary's podcast is out now wherever you get your podcasts. And they edited it out. Like, they had to take, like, I don't know what it was. Like, I don't know if it was, like, a thousand uh, hours of, of footage and knock it down into 14 hours. Crazy. For 14 episodes. So, you know, you think about it, there's a lot of stuff that ended up on the cutting room floor. Mary fills me in that one of the things we didn't get to see on the show was at the finale of season two, which is... Pretty horrific, to say the least, if you ever get a chance to see it. Jody, one of the women who especially didn't like Mary, threw an apple at her head. And luckily, Mary had a friend with her that was able to protect her. But we're really lucky we didn't see that. Guy, who happened to be the time, she came with me. Um, she actually pushed my head down. Wow. I don't even know. I never to this day. I still don't know what it was about me that Jody didn't like, you know? I mean, I guess, you know, you can't, not everybody's going to like you. You know that saying, not everybody's going to like you, not a Chanel bag. But the truth is, is that I never knew why. And I still don't know. what I literally tried to be nice to her so many times. Yeah. It was like, it, it's this 
thing. And of course, you know, so many people offer up their ideas as to why she could be that way. And I don't know. I mean, a lot of people would say that she was jealous or envious, and I don't feel that way about people. So it's hard for me to really understand those kind of feelings of envy and jealousy and being mean to someone because you think they have, you know, they're they're more successful or or better legs or prettier or, you know, I don't yeah. know. I, I, I can't understand not liking someone for those things. Yeah. I just, um, I think in that moment though, you really were an advocate for anti-bullying because you did not react. You did not, like you didn't give her what she wanted. And I think that requires such strength. And that is, that speaks so highly of you. And you just need to know that because you went through so much crap. Thank you. You know, it was tough. It was really, really hard. Sometimes I kind of, um, but I think it's interesting because I guess I had to practice restraint, but at the same time, it was like, I was shocked, literally shocked at some of the things that I heard come out of their mouth. Like the, just things they said that I literally couldn't respond because sometimes I couldn't be reactive because I was still in shock as to what I heard. So I was like, did she right. say what I thought she said? Like, her children are going to watch this. Yeah. Like, that's the other thing. I, I think sometimes people get a little bit of, um, of celebrity or they get a little bit in the public eye and it goes to their head and they think, wow, I'm like this, you know, I'm going to make a name for myself and I'm going to become this big celebrity. And I think that's how most of the women on the show were. Yeah. I think that it was, they got a little bit of a taste of that. And for me, like, I... That I, I'm not motivated by the celebrity part of any of it. I'm I'm more of a creative person. I've been in the entertainment business my whole life because I love doing this kind of work, not so much reality shows, but yeah. like you know, I've been on TV before as, as you know, as a host and, and and a writer, a producer, and I've done you know a lot of stuff in the public eye. So for me, it wasn't. It wasn't a major thing in that regard, but I think for most of the women, they've never had any kind of um, notoriety at all right. in, in the public spotlight. So I think sometimes they overdo it thinking, if I do this, maybe I'm going to get more popular. Right, yeah. Which is just sad that it has to go to a level of immaturity given their age and other life experience. Like, I, I just can't believe that show. And was it... Was it was Andy Cohen involved with your show, or is that just the American franchises? No, that's pretty much the American one that I know of. It was a Bravo franchise, but, um, like, our contracts were Bravo okay. contracts. But it was, um, what they did is um, they bought the rights to the show. Okay. Like productions, yeah. And are you so, still in touch they, with anyone that helped with the show that's maybe helping you out right now, or did everyone kind of just cut ties? No, I still see some of the producers, and I'm, I'm friends with some of the people that actually produced our show, and um, the only people that, I mean, like, I, I haven't really seen anyone, um, like I said, I don't hang out with any of the housewives, and I'm kind of feeling fortunate I don't run into them very often, um, but Christina was the only one that that I really was close to, and, right. um, and I think the most genuine, and the one that just is just herself you know she yeah. didn't really care about the celebrity part of it in fact that's why she did do season two yeah she didn't want to she didn't want to be in that in the series anymore 
And um, I didn't want to either, but our contract, uh, Lark didn't actually ask Christina to come back on season two, and um, they asked me, and that's the way it was. You couldn't get out if they asked you, but you yeah. need to stay. Yeah. Okay, crazy. Well, let's yeah. let's maybe move on from that. <laughs> Very fascinating stuff, subject. though. Yeah, I'm sure you've moved on in many ways, and I commend you for that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I have. I have. And how, I just, like, I don't even know how someone, like, I don't know, like Nene Leakes, who's been in franchises for years. Like, that just becomes your life, and that must be so negative. I don't understand. I think it's good yours got canceled. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I think so, too. I think um, I'd love to do another series at some point, maybe produce it. I don't know that I'd be in it, but a series that, you know, is somewhat similar, but but not nasty. It's just that, you know, it's the nastiness that I think people are evolving. You know how every couple of years things change and and what's popular now isn't popular wasn't isn't or what's popular now wasn't popular then. It's kind of that that Jersey Shore in your face, voyeuristic, you know, nastiness, yeah. I think it's taking a little bit of a backseat. I think so. Um, we need people to be a little bit you know, still drama happens. It doesn't have to be nasty drama. Yeah, definitely. I know a lot of people have been wondering since my teaser what I would be talking about Mary with when it comes to cannabis. Since the show, Mary Zilba has been an advocate for cannabis in Canada and has put a lot of her business ventures towards the cannabis industry. Even before the legalization boom here in Canada though, the plant has been an important part of Mary's life. As regular listeners know, I never like to reveal any of my political bias on this show, but I do think Mary's story is fascinating when it comes to this topic. She has helped form a production company with Breakfast Television Vancouver host Fiona Forbes called Lady Pants Productions that has created educational tidbits on baking with cannabis and how to use it geared primarily towards women. But beyond this recreational side of things, she also has a powerful story that hits close to home, which is worth hearing no matter where you sit on your opinion. And the thing is, is that, you know, medicinal cannabis and CBD is so good for, you know, everything from migraines to, um, to menopause, to menstruation, to, for women, it's incredibly, right. incredibly good. And then it's healing cancer and it heals from the inside as well. So, you know, there's just so many things that it helps with pain, but also helps with wellness. So, you know, yeah. I, I'm just, I have very medicinal reasons why I got into this field, um, mm-hmm. And um, one was my son. As you know, my son has yeah. a seizure disorder. And yeah, there is a kind of personal connection. I think that's pretty powerful for people to hear about too um, with your son's experience. So what happened there? What kind of... Yeah, I do want to hear about well, this. So Yeah, so, well, you know, a couple of things have happened, but the very first um, indication was uh, that my son was presenting with seizures at a very young age and I got him, obviously, to the hospital as soon as possible and we... Um, we got him on all kinds of anticonvulsive medications, pharmaceutical medications, of course. Mm-hmm. And it's a real touch-and-go situation when you have a child with seizures because uh, a lot of the medication does not work, and they have to do a lot of trial and error to find that medication that will indeed work. Right. And, you know, but as you know, you know, all pharmaceuticals have just an exorbitant amount of side effects and cautions and precautions when taking certain medications like that. And, um, you know, you probably watched CNN before and seen, you know, the, all the commercials. And if you want to take this drug, make sure yeah. that you're not on this and you're not on that. And you're going to probably die from this. But, <laughs> you know, so all those things. And I just, 
so my son was having terrible, terrible uh, effects, side effects from from the anti-convulsive medications, and I had then heard about Charlotte's Web, which was about eight, nine years ago, which was a strain out of Colorado that helped prevent seizures in children or stop seizures in, in children with a very low THC content, which right. is the tetrahydrochloride that is the, um, the psychoactive ingredient right. of the plant. So anyhow, so I started him um, on um, a little oil, and he's not had a seizure since. Yeah, he's not 21 and um, hasn't had a seizure for now eight years, but that's what started getting him on the, on the path to wellness. So, wow. Yeah, so, it's, it's so, you know, so I've become a real advocate for that. My right. father had cancer. I started him on CBD and, um, and medicinal cannabis, Rick Simpson oil, which is very similar to Charlotte's Web, but it's an oil, and got him started on that, which he takes on a cracker every day, nice. again, for health and wellness and for internal healing. Yeah. There are so many properties of the plant that we don't even know. I mean, I'm not a scientist. I'm, I don't pretend to be one, but, <laughs> but just the fact that, you know, there's so many healing properties of the plant that we still are studying and finding out about, and it's um, kind of nature's miracle, I think. My podcast, I'm really excited because, you know, I'm talking about things that, and, and interviewing people that are uplifting, that are inspiring, yeah. that are educational, that have something to say that we can learn from. Totally. And that's so great, Mary. That's what you're meant to be doing, I think, for sure. Oh, thanks, sweetie. Thank you. Beyond the culture of reality TV and the culture that Mary Zilba has created for herself and her brand, I wanted to ask her about her background. Because just like me, Mary Zilba actually also comes from a mixed heritage, but has also lived in both the US and Canada. So next I dived into what makes her, her. So I do wanna kind of, the theme of the podcast does touch on cultural identity. And I think it's so interesting that, is it correct that you're half French, half Lebanese, your ethnicity? Yes. Okay, so yeah. that that's so interesting. Um, and you grew up in Ohio and now live in Vancouver. So I'm curious, how, what do you think your cultural identifier is? How do you introduce yourself in that type of discussion? And how has your background influenced who you are as a person? That's a very good question. Um, it's funny how it sort of evolved. My dad's Lebanese and Syrian, and it's interesting that we never really talked about my dad's Syrian heritage. Okay. Um, until recently with, all, with the Syrian refugee crisis. So... You know, we always thought, growing up, my dad's Lebanese, my mother's French, and my mom's family came um, um, came from, or is Korean French, but then moved to Montreal, like, in the early 1800s. Oh, wow. So I never knew that I had really Canadian um, ancestry. Yeah, cool. I didn't cool. realize it was French-Canadian as well. So it's kind of interesting, all the things you learn. But my, my dad's mother, or my dad's grandmother, my dad's mother's uh, my dad's father's mother was actually born in Damascus, Syria. Wow. And so just recently when I was home, I kept talking to my dad about the fact that he's Syrian. And he's like, yeah, because my mom's from Damascus. But at the time, I guess Lebanon back in the day, it wasn't really formed as a country yet. Okay. And so they didn't really... I guess they, can, they, they identified more with the Lebanese part, but I'm sort of going backwards now and identifying more with the Syrian part because of what's going on in the world. Right. And, you know, thinking my grandmother was 
a Syrian who actually, back in the day, she immigrated with her mother, she was six years old, um, she immigrated to New York, and that's how they got here. Wow. And and um, ended up in uh, in Canada. So I did, so interesting as far as identifying, like I, I think lately I've been sort of identifying more with that kind of part of me just because I feel like my, I feel very, very um, sensitive to the fact that my ancestries were, or ancestors were the same as many of these people that you see all over the, these refugees that are, yeah. you know, living in a war-torn country. And so I feel like part of me feels like connected to that. Definitely. And would you say that you would, culturally, do you identify more American or Canadian at this point? Because how long have you been in Vancouver? 22 years. Wow. So, like, yeah. since I've been born, basically. <laughs> you know, it's really, really interesting because um, I just find that I am starting to love Canada more and more. I've missed being, you know, when you grow up in the United States, it's a bit of a, of a cult-like right. mentality that you sort of get because you grow up saying the Pledge of Allegiance at a very, very early age, yeah. you know, when you go into to school. And... Um, you know, a lot of pride in America, and so I always wanted to go home when I first came here. I was like, I don't really fit into Canada. People I don't find are nice or friendly, and I just felt like I wanted to go back to the United States, and then I started raising my kids here, and I get kind of choked up because I, you know, all my kids have been raised here now, and it's funny because when I go home, I have six brothers and sisters, lots of nieces and nephews. My, my dad will always say there's something very special about your kids. And I, you know, not to say that my other grandchildren are not special, but he said there's something about your kids that are so unique. Hmm. And I was like, thanks, Dad. Maybe it's the way I've raised them. He goes, well, that, that, yeah, maybe. He said, <laughs> but I think, <laughs> he goes, maybe. But he goes, I think it's got to do with the fact that they're Canadian. That's so cool. And I said, yeah, it's really cool. And I said, well, it might be, actually. And he said, they're so polite. Um, you know, they they aren't competitive like a lot of these other kids are. They don't interrupt. They, you know, they just seem to have a different cultural identity sort of about them. And, yeah. And I think it is about Canada. So my, I know I'm taking a long time to answer the question, no, but I great. love Canada. And I feel really, I feel very emotional about it. And this past Canada Day, I wrote on my Instagram about the fact that you know, I've got, a, it's a privilege to live here. I think now about what's going on with Trump and what's going on in America. And I just feel like, wow, you know what? I'm in the best country in the world. And I never thought that I would ever say that because I was so wow. pro-American. But as an American living in Canada, believe me, I sometimes just, I die to get back to, to America or to live in California where the weather's beautiful year-round. But I will tell you, I'm not anxious just to go back to the United States anymore because of the things that they're standing for and so many things that are going on that just seem so chaotic to me and so yeah. out of left field. I'm so proud of Canada. I just, I think, you know, every day I look out my window at this beautiful city of Vancouver and I'm so blessed and I've been such, I, it's just really a privilege to have been welcomed into this country and to be able to live here. So wow. I think Canada's the best place in the world. You moved to Vancouver originally because of your ex-husband, is that correct? Yeah. Okay. I met him in L.A., and that's how I ended up here. Okay. it's always hard to move, right? Yeah. Especially to another country when you don't really know anyone. 
Definitely. And did you find it hard to fit in? Because I know, obviously, you made the most of it. Like, you were on the Canadian music chart. You know what? It was really hard. Like I said, I felt like people were a little bit more standoffish and conservative. I didn't find them to be as friendly as okay. people in the state. Um, but then I sort of, once the kids got in school, that's when I started making, like, normal friends, like, girlfriends and stuff. Because yeah. um, my ex-husband was in the market, and I just wasn't used to a lot of... I don't know, market people are kind of very, they have a certain way about them, and I was, like, hanging out with musicians in L.A., and I was sort of, like, yeah. you know, a little bit more chill because I was working in the entertainment business, and I wasn't in the broker world. Right. So it was completely different, kind of. So I wanted to find, like, you know, like, chill friends and friends that were, I don't know, I had lots of gay friends, and, you know, down in L.A., and I just was, like, where are, like, my normal peeps? You know what I mean? <laughs> That's hilarious. I need normal peeps for me. And so I was lonely. It was really lonely until, um, until I met some of the moms at school. And then I did find, for a long time, I had my best gay friend who I met at the gym, and he and I were best friends for seven years until he moved away. So he was so important in my life. But it took a long time to make friends here. And yeah. I know this is not something you talk about a lot, so feel free not to expand, but... Um, yeah, I just think it's so admirable and unique that you and Frank still do everything together. Like, you obviously didn't have a hard divorce, or maybe you did and things are okay now, but how do you, how do you like to represent that experience? Because I know for a lot of people, it's a difficult subject, there's a lot of complications. Um, would you say you're an advocate for strong marriages? Like, what's your stance on all that, and what was your experience? Oh, you know what, it's a really good question. I, um, uh... I actually, it wasn't an easy divorce. It was very hard. It was very painful. Um, we tried to stay together a couple of years after um, a few incidences happened. And I will just leave that to your imagination. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was really devastating um, on our marriage. And I um, decided that I needed to try to, I, I would try to, to handle things and, and move forward. But, after a while, I just couldn't, I couldn't, and yeah. so we split, and um, it was hard. It was a very difficult time, because I had moved my life up here. I had three small kids, yeah. two boys were close together, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't have those two friends, so, um, you know, I just made the best of it, and um, and we split, and didn't really have a great relationship for the first year, year and a half, two years sort of after. Okay. Um, but I think it, it was during, funny enough, it was kind of during Housewives when I was so distraught and had such a hard time at night coming back from filming and coming back from some of the things that happened that I was going through such a hard time and I think depression at one point from knowing I couldn't get off the show and how much I was bothered by it and how much it was, I was you know, taking it home and it was hurting because it was real. Yeah. That my ex-husband and I ended, the earth, ended up talking about stuff and he became sort of like this confidant, this sounding board, this mm. person who was getting pissed off if I was treated poorly. And so we started kind of coming back together as friends and supporting each other as once we did. And I just sort of let things go um, into a little box that I put away yeah. somewhere in my soul, I guess. And overlooked it and started co-parenting and started, you know, talking to each other more as friends again. And um, and he was dating and he dates a lot. So that was always hard for me to, yeah. to get. That's still not easy for me, actually, yeah. to get used to that. Um, 
But we, you know, it's hard. I think people need to do it, though, for the, for the boys, for the kids. And so we did do that, and I know it's really helped our boys. Like, we spend Christmas together. We've gone on trips together now. And, I mean, it's never going to be a trip where I'm going to, he has a girlfriend or something, and I'm going to go with him on a trip with his girlfriend. Totally. Because that, you know, it, that's not going to be the case. I guess, I guess sometimes it depends on why you broke up. Yeah. As to whether or not you can take the spouse dating. Totally, yeah. You know, so, you know, but I think by and large it's been good for the kids. And now they're older and, you know, I, I, I think have a good foundation and, and, um, and hopefully they, they will, you know, become really great spouses to their, to their uh, partners and yeah. all of that. So, you know, it's not easy, but I think at the end of the day you've got to remember why you came together in the first place and what you can do to make the lives better for, the, for your children. Definitely. And that's what we had to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's great, Mary. And, um, yeah, I guess... There's probably still a lot of attachment to that marriage because, I mean, you do have your great kids out of it and there's a lot of support that's that's still available to you um, when you need it, I guess. But do you feel like um, you'll be back in the dating scene anytime soon or are you just kind of focusing on what you're doing right now? Uh, you know, sometimes I wish I could be like on The Bachelor. Like I could be like the older bachelorette. <laughs> like I think that I would love somebody, like three homes to go out and find a whole bunch of guys that are yep. wanting to actually find someone and then we do like a mixer. <laughs> there you go, great. <laughs> you could be one of the people to find me someone, just Okay, I'll be on the lookout, Mary, for sure. You'll be on the lookout. I will, I promise. Um, it is so hard for me to meet people. That's yeah. the problem. And in this city, I know everyone pretty much uh, and or they know my ex-husband, which is weird. Yeah. And being on the show, you know, I think there's something yeah. that so I don't know. Would I like to find, like, my forever person? Yes. I really, really am ready for that. So, and, you know, I date here and again, and I, you know, but I've just not, I guess, found the right person. Yeah. But you're happy right now. Yes. I, you know what? I'm really happy. I'm busy. I'm excited about things that going on in um, all of my different um, businesses. My kids are home. George is, like, healthy and happy. I got some new patio furniture. I have wonderful girlfriends. Like, Awesome. Yeah. I'm super happy. Work is going well. I feel like I'm doing a lot of charity things. I'm chairing the Gold Heart Gala again, which you should come this year. It is raising money for um, disabled and handicapped children. That's so awesome, Mary. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, I'm so glad to hear that you're happy, and thank you for talking through all this stuff with me. Oh my gosh, my pleasure. Let's do it again sometime. Definitely. We just got to catch up more often, I think. <laughs> I know, I know. We'll just we'll just catch up on your podcast. Yeah, sounds good. We'll, we'll have you... So everybody can just listen to us catch up on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully next time it'll be in person. We'll try to make that happen. I love that. Well, let me know when you were in town. And thank you for having me as a guest. Absolutely. I've enjoyed, enjoyed it very much, so thank you. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening to my longest episode yet. I wanted to make sure I got the full scope of this great conversation with Mary Zilba. And if you made it this far, I hope you enjoyed what she had to say and allowed yourself to think about and consider all aspects of her story. I think how could you not love someone like Mary? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode and what part you enjoyed the most. 
So please reach out on Twitter and Instagram at Josiah Podcast. That's J-O-S-I-A-H Podcast. And on Facebook, Anticulture with Josiah Synonym. I think one of my favorite parts was hearing Mary talk about Canada becoming home for her and how she was able to form her own identity and brand independent of any cultural influencers. She's truly a representative for what I'm trying to get across for this show, and I'm so glad we got to touch on that. I hope that you are surprised, challenged, and excited about Mary, despite what you came into this episode thinking, and I hope you take away the fact that we can treat all people this way and hear them out. Everyone's personal culture is formed for many reasons, and it's worth hearing the why, even if you think you don't agree. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends, leave me a review, reach out, your feedback, your word of mouth, your subscriptions, they mean so much to me. We still have a few more episodes coming for this season of Anticulture, so make sure you're subscribed and stay tuned. You can follow Mary at Mary Zilba, that's M-A-R-Y-Z-I-L-B-A, on Twitter and Instagram, and search for her podcast, Eat, Drink, and Be Mary, Mary like her name, wherever you get your podcasts. If you're brave, you can find The Real Housewives of Vancouver on Slice.ca or on the Hey You app in Canada. I'll see you all next week, and I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for listening. I'm Josiah Sinanin, and this was Anticulture.